Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast, a place where we are exploring God's great mission to gather the nations and wrestling with the challenges of radical love and inclusion of all cultures into one family as a true kingdom alternative to the world. Let's get to it. You are listening to the All Things to All People podcast with Michael Burns and my co-hosts, Jason Alexander and Gianna Hearn. I am Michael Burns. And today, Jason, Gianna, and I are welcoming, without a doubt, my favorite all-time guest, because our guest today on the podcast is Mycretia Burns, and she is going to talk to us about the concept of the welcome table and hospitality, but I suspect that the way she is going to talk about and approach the topic of hospitality and the way that we will all talk about it today will be a little different than perhaps you normally tend to think about that concept. So we're going to jump in today and be challenged by the concept of the welcome table. So I'm here today, of course, with Jason and Gianna. Jason, what's up? Hello. Gianna, how you doing? Doing good. Nice. Are are you eating lunch, Gianna? Is that what is that what is happening right now? This is kind of breakfast. I'm Bre- just having a little banana and an apple. Breakfast. Okay. And for context, what time is it where you are currently at Memphis, Tennessee, as you eat breakfast? I think it's about a little past noon. There you go. It is it's twelve twenty-four here. So I'm assuming yeah. <laughs> uh same same thing there. Um hey, you know, we have been talking, the three of us, and we have some exciting changes coming up in the podcast. We've teased that a little bit, but we're going to have an episode. uh, I think that will air two weeks from when this episode airs. And we're going to kind of talk about and set up some of those changes. Are you guys excited for that? Uh, Overwhelmingly so. I just wanted to wait for Jason because I knew it would be awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was waiting for you. So that's, yeah. Okay. You knew you were very get excited. The ironic, underwhelming answer, and then he very ironically said, "Overwhelmingly," in a very <laughs> underwhelming sort of way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, I just, I just actually released the news on a different podcast that I appeared as a guest on this week uh, that we are changing the name of the podcast. That's exciting. Uh, does anybody want to say what the new name is? No, no, because we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not sharing it yet. I wonder if we should have a contest of people guessing what the new name is. Jason, yeah, I think that would be good. Maybe we could let Jason participate, seeing as how we're, we're not telling him because you know loose lips sink ships, and Jason can't hold a secret. So, right. I did see on Instagram. I just started following Jason. I'm not sure why. I just found him it? yesterday. Did you post yes. it on Instagram, Jason? He gave I didn't a, post a it. little I, spoiler. I gave a hint. Yeah. But those stories <laughs> delete in 24 hours. So if you guys what aren't did, following him. Wait, what did you post? So I have like. No, don't I, tell him. Don't tell him what you posted. I have like a basketball team sized following. <laughs> so like four people on, on instagram so you, there's no there's no stress there i've got like my my wife and a couple of friends um but that's you're safe now gianna too, so. no what did you share yeah. though what did you no, i just put the name he, don't oh, say it you're right i didn't do anything uh, he did give like he didn't say explicitly this is what's happening it was just a generic like kind of little word that was around so i'm like oh. if someone's paying attention there was a hint in his last so so story is it one post. of those that if you know what's coming you would look at the post and say oh he just gave away some some teaser information there but if Bingo. you don't know what's coming you just look at it and 
means nothing. Go right by. Exactly. That's You're right. like, well, what's yep. going on here? Mm-hmm. It's called guerrilla marketing, Michael. <laughs> There's a term for it? I don't know. <laughs> what? That's what, what I thought I was doing. What is guerrilla marketing? Um, um, well, you don't even I don't know. know. Never I mind. would imagine it's You're like, like you up. pop. You pop out of the bushes kind of thing with a sign Wait. and you jump back in the bushes really quick. Like, like, you got to corral him back in. Yeah. You, you, you bomb a train like with, with, uh, with it, your, your, your brand. And Do then, gorillas wow, pop out that. of bushes? Not gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> not go, not gorilla marketing. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't imagine like, <laughs> out of, from behind a bush, yeah. you know. Like. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Someone used a gorilla to market. Yeah. You know what I do know, Jason? If my son What's had that? to fight a gorilla with his bare hands, he'd lose. He's pretty confident he could take him. <laughs> Goodness gracious! That's only for uh, those who've been listening to the podcast all season. Yeah, he needs to stay in school. Okay, so so we do have new changes coming up. I'm really excited about them. I think it's going to make things better and more useful. And to mark that period, we're changing the name of the podcast, but we're not going to announce that until, um, I don't know, we haven't decided yet. Should we do it at that last episode in December or in the first episode in January of the new season? We'll have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So... One of those, it will happen. Anyway, uh, and I said anyway there intentionally because you know what I hate? This is a pet peeve. When people say anywho, <laughs> is that not annoying? I wouldn't say it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. But now yeah. that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, why? Why would you yeah. do that? Yeah, that's, yeah, yes. Or like when when moms say can you take out the garbage? Like, or when people <laughs> call, mom says that. Yeah, my, maybe that's a Midwest thing. Or like when yeah. people call Target Target. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that one Ex- makes sense now. Explosive rage. Yes. In, in my body. Yeah. No. And there's there's many others, but we don't want to offend all six of our <laughs> listeners. So let's move on. Because um, we have a special guest today. It's my favorite guest of mm. the whole show of anybody we've had on uh, because she is the prettiest guest. I will say that. But um, she's also a critical care nurse and has moonlighted with that, uh, working in ministry in various capacities in the, over the last 17 years and is just an all-around swell guy. Uh, my wife... My Cresha Burns. Cresha, welcome to the show. If it feels weird to call you Cresha like that, because I rarely actually call you Cresha, but welcome back. What do you call it? Babe? Like welcome, babe. I do. I do. I call her babe <laughs> or hun. Yeah. 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 I'm still stuck at the point where you called me an all-around swell guy. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. I'm like, I oh. wonder if anybody <laughs> was going to jump on that. That was yeah. ironic. Yeah. Or okay. maybe it I, wasn't. I don't know what it I'm, was. It just kind of it just popped into my mouth at the time. <laughs> so anyhow, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yes, you no know, doubt. you know, Jason and Gianna of. Of course, you know, but for the listeners, um, my Krish is the hardest guest to schedule. And I keep getting nasty emails like, why isn't your wife on the show more? I like it better when your wife is on. And I'm like, yeah, well, talk to her agent. She's really hard to schedule. So we finally got her. And in fact, I am in Minneapolis today. And she is, where, where are you, hon? Oakland. Oh, Bay Area. And yeah, town for the <laughs> 90s hip hop fans, right? Out in Cali, I put my winter coat on and had to take it off today. <laughs> really, in Oakland, wow, yes. the Bay Area gets cold. I mean, it not does, like where does, you're from, yeah. but 
Well, it's like minus what, Michael, back home? Right. Two, well, three. this morning it was minus two. And I took the trash out in my shorts as I always do. And then I was like, man, this is almost pants weather to take the trash out. Like <laughs> Almost. Yeah. 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 Because yep. you're just going the, outside for like a couple minutes, you know? I mean, right. there's no point in putting sweats on if you're wearing shorts for all that. But so, Yeah. You know, I've said, I've shared this here a number of times, but the day we moved to Washington, we were packing the truck. It was negative. 17 uh, and pack the was, truck yeah like while we were leaving the day we left and i was like yeah i'm i'm oh, never coming that's back. why you that's why you hire movers <laughs> at that point uh, well the the trucks were packed it was like our car to leave because we oh, sent okay. stuff and then we drove yeah so but either way so like, so it was like a swift kick in the rear on the way out really it was <laughs> yeah, like, okay, exactly don't yeah. come back that's chilly and, and you're thinking <laughs> right. i don't want to yeah, although I do, I, I, I shouldn't say that because I would move back. I love it there, but okay, it's cold. Yeah. All right. Um, there you go. So, Mycresha, you're on the show today for a specific reason. You have been talking about this concept lately. We've done some workshops and lessons together, and you've been talking about the welcome table. And it's been really well received, and I wanted to just have you on to chat with us today a little bit about that concept. So share with us what the heck is the welcome table? What are you talking about there? So first of all, I want to say the idea of welcome table did not come from me. Um, it's a borrowed idea. Um, what? From, yes, it's <laughs> borrowed. And uh, so humble, so humble. (laughs) (laughs) It's borrowed from um, our ancestors, and I don't even know who wrote it, but I know that the um, the song, like we sing it sometimes in, you know, our children's church and even in our larger congregations, um, it's called a welcome table, right? Does everybody know that song? Goes, I'm gonna sit at the welcome table, and then it keeps on going, and um, there's different. Uh, verses, but the idea comes from um, slaves, African-American slaves who worked in the fields and were talking about um, sitting at the master's table, you know, as they were out, I'm sure, in very hot sun, um, working the fields. And so that's where the idea of welcome table comes from. Um as you know, looking in the the scriptures, hospitality is something that's really huge for me. And I know, like as a congregation at large, you know, we we um, strive to be great connoisseurs and imitators of Jesus in the way that we practice our hospitality, you know, and um, are inviting, you know, to people. But I think sometimes the true biblical sense of hospitality can get lost in, you know, what kind of tablecloth I'm going to put on my table today, or what kind of silverware I'm going to serve with, or are my glasses clean or is my house clean? Um, the idea can really get lost and tucked in, um, kind of buried under what I feel God really desires of us and the opportunity, especially as we talk about gathering the nations and being a place where um, people can, all people can be invited into our homes and even if it's not in our physical home, wherever we are, that's where we have an opportunity to practice um, the idea and the calling to be hospitable to people. So um, the welcome table, like I said, is a borrowed idea um, from our ancestors. um, And it really is an opportunity to think differently as we consider gathering the nations, helping people to become Christians, not just focusing on the physical aspect of baptism, which is essential. And we all know that's essential, but even once somebody is baptized, how do you love them and help them to feel welcomed, not just in your home and in your space, but in God's kingdom as, you know, God's rescued children. And so um, that's really what this idea is about. And so let me jump in here, Krish. The welcome table, you mentioned that it's African-American and its roots uh, the the song kind of correct me if I'm wrong here. The song comes uh, a, a bit. There's a bit of I don't know if sarcasm is the right word, but there's a bit of a bite to it 
because yeah. the point is that they were not welcome at the master's yeah. table. And so the the whole point of the song is I'm going to feast on milk and honey. I'm going to be welcome at the table one of these days. Oh yeah. That's the way each verse sort of ends, right? One of these days. Oh yeah. Um, and, and they talk about different aspects of the welcome table. Now, let me just throw this question out. You mentioned hospitality. What yeah. is hospitality? What do you mean by that word? Do you mean that if Gianna is hosting a dinner party at her house, that she sets a really awesome looking table and that is being hospitable? Well, that can be part of it. But, you know, what do you say to the person who doesn't have a physical table? You know, maybe God hasn't provided that as a part of their household, but they still have whatever dwelling God has given them. Mm -hmm. um, in a biblical sense, hospitality means to be a lover of strangers, you know, um, uh, philozenia, you know, like a lover of strangers. And so um, in Romans 12, you know, we're reminded as Christians to share with the Lord's people who are in need to practice hospitality. So again, like I said, it doesn't, um, it's not limited to the idea of having this beautiful space or preparation. It really is being prepared and um, having a heart and, a, and an intentionality of being a lover of strangers. Um, and also too, Michael, kind of as you spoke to, excuse me, the the people who who created or who um, who wrote, in a sense, this song originally um, were not welcomed at their master's table. And I think as Christians, that's one of the things that, number one, we all were invited to that space to sit at the table with God, to be, you know, his um, chosen people, to be um, his idols. And hospitality is really a way that we can um, offer you know, a hope that goes beyond circumstance for a lot of people. You know, I think um, that during that time, you think about it, you know, you're a slave and, you know, nothing is your own. You don't even own yourself, you know, like you're uh, an object of somebody else's possession. And um, the idea of, of the welcome table extended a hope or even singing this song, you know, listen to the lyrics there's a joy and a sense of, um, of of hope that goes beyond their pretty harsh circumstances, which for all of us in one way or the other, um, when we, uh, as Christians, when we were apart from God and those that are seeking or those that, you know, um, may not, excuse me, like be seeking, um, there's this opportunity of a hope that goes beyond circumstance. And like I said, um, within the concept of hospitality, it really is an opportunity to, to like, to, to be a, um, to be a voice, to be a, a presence of that grace and to provide a space where all people can feel welcomed. Um, you know, and I think in that we are constantly in the scripture called to examine ourselves, you know, to like, not just about where we are before God, but I think even those limitations that we have or, um, uh, preconceptions, the stereotypes that we might place on people that would make us choose one person to come to our table over another person to ask ourselves why, you know, are we potentially standing in the way of God administering his grace to that person who wouldn't necessarily be the first person that we on our own, you know, um, would have at our table, would 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 really seek to to love them as strangers and to help them to no longer be, be strangers to God um, in the same way that we were loved and in the same way that we are no longer strangers to God. Yeah. Can, can I ask, uh, I, I, I love, um, I love how a hymn kind of embodies this or a song embodies this idea. Um, are there, um, do you, or do you sense in in this discussion a, a a backdrop or whatever subtle hints at? Because I'm thinking of passages in the New Testament like Matthew 22, just parable of a great banquet, uh, or Luke chapter 14, a, a story of of a dinner and Jesus saying, "Invite 
invite instead poor and 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 those uh, who wouldn't get invited to dinner and wouldn't be very useful for your your reputation <laughs> um but but a dinner table or even isn't there the image of just the image of the 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 future banquet with god as host yeah um is is some of that built into this because it's a very real metaphor absolutely absolutely so you know the the roots of the song um the song itself is was rooted in revelation 19 6 through 9 ah there it is yeah revelation 19 so i'll read it okay it says then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come uh, and his yes. bride has been made ready herself. You know, so we talk about the bride of Christ. Who is that? Mm, right? Mm, right. Um, it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God, you know, so just think about it, you know, the, the, the people who, um, you know, are, are enduring the suffrage. You know, their hope is to sit at the table, to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, the original song, like I said, it was written, you know, through um, the experience of of slaves. The song itself was documented in like, what is it, the 1920s, um, was written down. And I don't necessarily know who wrote it down, but somebody wrote it down. Um, but it was a song of perseverance. Like I said, a song of hope. Um and even into the 60s, you know, a lot of uh, it was recoined, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit at the freedom table, you know, and it was sung at diner counters um, throughout the, you know, during the time of the civil rights movement as a song of hope, as a song of perseverance and a song of freedom. So, yes, it definitely, definitely um, is rooted in scripture and the idea of, you know, Jesus and I'm sorry. Yeah. And Jesus. Um, uh, and sitting at his table. And I think even as you alluded to, Jason, some of the passages, um, the uninvited dinner guests, like in Luke mm-hmm, 7, mm-hmm. right? You know, so here Jesus was at a Pharisee's house and this woman comes up and, you know, they're having a, an important dinner amongst men, right? So here this woman comes up and Jesus basically, he recognizes her, you know, validates her. Right. You know, her in the presence of all these men who think she has no business being there, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, um, I think also too, going back to God's promise to Abraham, um, in Genesis 12, you know, he tells him, I'll make you a great nation and will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. Um, I'll be a blessing, um, uh, to those who bless you and to him who dishonors you. So this concept very early on in the new Testament about, God making, um, you know, building a great nation of people through Abraham, his descendants, um, just reinforces this idea of everybody being welcome at this table, you know, everybody being welcome at this dinner table, so to speak. Um, Yeah, you know, again, in Luke 9, um, Jesus, you know, after, uh, while grieving, you know, essentially while grieving um, the beheading of his friend, John, you know, the Baptist sitting on this mountain, you know, alone in solitude. And, you know, here comes this crowd of hungry people. He comes down, you know, to the lowly. And even though the the disciples at the time thought, okay, don't bother him, like leave him alone. You know, Jesus's response was to respond to the need you know, of this very hungry crowd. Mm-hmm. And again, we remember that as one of, you know, his great miracles um, as well. So yeah, definitely table, you know, the idea of table, bringing people together, you know, the disadvantage um, uh, is very much uh, part of this idea of the welcome table. Yeah, I really like that. I think it also reminds me just of the Last Supper in general. Maybe we're not right. seeing, you know, like the totally. poor or whatnot, but he's bringing, Jesus is bringing so many different types of people together and like 
just giving us the example. And that's always what I love seeing about Christ uh, in the time that he was walking this earth and, and really showcasing how he how he lives and wants others to live. And so I think it goes really well with uh, your explanation of, of this song, um, just to see all these different types of people. I was thinking about it the other day, like how it would be really difficult in this day and age. How do we gather so many different types of people and really focus and be centered on Christ. And we've talked about that on the podcast uh, in, in episodes previous to this. But I, I really connected with that thought as I was thinking of what the Last Supper looked like mm-hmm. and what Jesus was trying to show us in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like, and it gets... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go I ahead. was just going to say, the just a really quick note, you know, in, in, in different, in many different uh, settings, communion is referred to as the Lord's table. And, you know, the, the, um, there's this, uh, 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 what is it? Divine commensality or like eating with God. Um, Mm -hmm. you see it in Exodus chapter 24, but there's this uh, incredible thought that eating with God involves eating with the, the, uh, the poor, uh, and it shines a light on all of us that to eat with God, we are all in effect, the poor who are welcomed at this banquet, we couldn't afford, you know, a plate to purchase a plate at this table. Uh, anyways, there's a lot of mileage you can get out of this, this idea. So that's, th- thank you. This is awesome. I love the fact, I love what you just shared too, Jason, because I think when we talk about like, hum- I mean, it really uh, like encourages and presses us, especially, you know, people who have been quote unquote Christians for a long time to just remember our place before God. Remember that we, we've never arrived, right. We've never, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, come to a place where we're too high, you know, to be lower than Jesus, you know, and also to be an, an open, to be a reflection, you know, to be a place where people can come and say, you know what, I was here, you know, I am here. I was here. You know, I want you to 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 know the person who helped me to understand yeah, you know, like yeah. me and how um undeserving I am, you know, and how um not even undeserving, but just how undeserving I felt, but he made it so that I could, you know. Um have freedom yeah. hope that goes beyond my circumstance. Wow. Now this, let me Just say kidding. this, this raises a, 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 well, an observation for me. And then a question that I'm going to pose to you, Jason gives me a couple questions, but I want to pose a question to you in a second, but you read that revelation passage. I never realized before that the, the, this age to come, the, the, marriage supper, the lamb, the great banquet, whatever you want to call it, is going to take place in summer. So I thought that was a really cool thing that that jumped out at me, is that it's clearly going to play take place in, in the summer. You guys see that, right? <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, okay. and I'll tell you why. Because Fine linen. Yeah, they're wearing linens, fine, win- yeah. fine linen. Yes, you don't wear I know. linen after Labor Day. That's, right. That's, that's right. An obvious rule that would white. I, everyone's got white jeans on. Yeah. Right. You're, you're wearing white before. linen. You're wearing white <laughs> linen. That's clearly summertime is being depicted there. But uh, Jason, here's my question. Mike Reese has mentioned hospitality and we had a, a little bit of a talk about that. I, I want to dig down just a little more on that. When, you know, there's a lot of places in the New Testament where it talks about hospitality. And in fact, that's one of the qualifications or characteristics of an elder is being hospitable, showing hospitality. What did they mean in the New Testament, the first century, when they talked about hospitality? Uh, Yeah. Well, um, well, okay. So the, the, there's, yeah, there's the word, um, uh, Romans, Romans 12, right? It's just a short little like practice hospitality. Uh, Romans 12, I think it's still in that vein of un- unpacking what he says at the beginning of the chapter, no longer being conformed to the world and uh, your your body is a burnt offering. You know, you're t- and I think it's important that it's our bodies. It's not, it's not our souls or just our minds, but 
we're to offer our, our bodies. That's a theme in Romans, by the way, Romans 6, too, offering our bodies to uh, to a new master. Um, that's, I think, the whole idea behind baptism. But, yeah, it's, uh, you, you you used the word earlier, uh, philosenia, philosenia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, if you just were to, to break down the, 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 the word, a compound word, love of the stranger, uh, something like that, yeah. love of the alien. Um, so you have, the, it's built kind of into the word, which we translate hospitality. But even if you didn't have that word, you have the things we just mentioned where, you know, Jesus clearly envisions uh, the gathering at his table to be uh, those who uh, uh, he, he's, you know, it's not just his close friends. So whatever hospitality is, it at least means being hospitable to those for whom hospitality is a foreign concept um, or the experience of, of having a, a host is, is foreign because they don't get invited in. And that's the whole thing in Luke, Luke 14, right? They're, they're squabbling over the, their place at the dinner table. Um, and Jesus is like, all you do is, you know, you just have your friends over. You keep having your friends over. And then once you have your friends over, then they're obliged to have you over. And it's just this cycle of honoring yourselves. Um, and you got to break that cycle by don't invite your friends in anymore. Uh, go out and invite those who, who've never been invited to dinner. That seems to capture the idea of hospitality. Mm -hmm. uh, and that even as we're talking about this, it's a terrifying to me uh, because it's such an uncomfortable and we're, we're in a space now where the thought of having a stranger into your home, I mean, and you have to be safe. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't recommend going and find, you know, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go down to the, uh, to the port in Seattle and invite the homeless population over my home. That, that might not be safe, but it is a, I think a call to be creative and to look for needs beyond those who are regularly brought to dinner. Um, anyways, I, I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a holistic thing. Get, you know, it's a way of life. Uh, yeah. When they're talking about hospitality, it's not just, you know, setting on a really great Martha Stewart type uh, oh, dinner for yeah, people. Right. It is, no helping someone holistically who normally would not expect help. It, it is the love of the foreigner, the outsider. And it becomes serious when you think of like a passage like Matthew 25, when Jesus links together yeah. in some way judgment with, hey, uh, you know, did you, did you give a drink to the one who is thirsty? Did you give food to the one in need? Did you... Uh, d did you literally help the foreigner is the yeah. word there. And I, I think Christians have oftentimes in modern sense, a modern sense, reappropriated <laughs> the word hospitality to something different than what it, it meant. And it was more this concept of the, the welcome table. But le let me ask you this, Micretia. Do you see ways in which we have shrunk in the in the modern church, shrunk the welcome table, or not done the work we need to in our lives to truly be inclusive and and have people as a regular part of our life that would normally not be in our group, whether we define that by age or gender or socioeconomic class or race or uh, what have you, right. but ha do we have a tendency to do that? In other words, could we even be in a diverse church and still experience practically segregation on a day-to-day -day basis because we don't really have others in our lives and in our homes and in our tables uh, deeply involved in our lives on a regular basis, we've kind of insulated ourselves with people like us in these various categories. And so while we're in a diverse church, we're not really living the life of a welcome table. Is, is that possible? Do you see that happening? Well, I would say, yeah. Um, I think, you know, at the outset, uh, 
how would you say? I, I take the idea of like a small group. Small groups are wonderful, you know, in the sense that you have um, a greater opportunity to know and be known, right? You know, to love and be loved, like at a very surface area or not a surface area, at a deeper, deeper level with the people that are physically in closer proximity, like in our home, um, you know, it's you and I and um, our kids when they're there. When we're together, we have that opportunity to um, to just have a, a better experience of our relationship and that sort of thing. If all of us lived in different homes, you know, even up and down our block, it would be harder for us to build that intimacy and cohesiveness and like-mindedness. So, you know, I would say yes, in the sense that smaller groups are great, but especially when, you know, we look at the idea of geography, you know, we know that um, geography, especially as it comes to like our city planning and the history of some of, especially our larger cities, they are split down, you know, um, lines that uh, group people into categories because of the way that the city is designed. And so if we are breaking our churches down, you know, or how would you say our um, uh, relational um, experiences down within the churches to those geographical areas, there can be limits that we really have to be aware of and be intentional about going after. For example, you know, if I live in an area that where everybody looks like me and lives like me, my level of comfort, I'm, I'm going to have to constantly challenge that, that that is not the end all be all, you know, and say, okay, God, what are you asking of me in this space? And then I think also just the ideal, the mindset of, you know, um, not, am I going to the poor, you know, because I think there can almost be this you know, well, we live this way, but we're going to serve the poor because people who are poor, um, you can be poor financially, but be very, you know, um, yeah, to just have a lot to be beckoned for. Um, even if you don't have the financial means, you can have joy, you can have, you know, you can, you can be happy in a sense even have more happiness than some people who have physically everything, you know? So I think we need to be mindful of that. Like I said, even as, you know, in the congregations do on a weekly basis or asking ourselves on a weekly basis, even on a daily basis, like, do I have contact even within the church? I'm not even just talking about the community, but within the church, people who may live differently than me, because otherwise that becomes your norm, right? Of, what you expect or norm of what's normal. And then you can almost struggle to see the needs within the church. And then I think as you, and if you struggle to see the needs within the congregation, you struggle to see the needs within the community and sometimes can even go to the point where it feels like an imposition to your life to actually reach out to the least, you know? And in some regards, the least maybe people who are in, uh, people who are in, um, you know, have like a, a poor demographic or a, a lower uh, social economical status. But I think it then translate to an unrelatability, you know. And I feel like, like Gianna said and Jason said, you look to Jesus, and that who that's who he was leveling the field for. You know what I mean? From a from a, uh, uh, yeah, from a societal standpoint, he exalted them um, into a space where they were equal, you know, like the spirit made them equal to the people who, um, from a societal standpoint, really had more, if that makes sense. So I would say, yeah, you know, um, you see it. Do you, is it, even if you don't, I think one good question to ask is, you know, not all of us live in areas or all of our congregations are in areas where, um, you know, like the people in the congregation are, you know, like lower, low, for lack of better terms, lower class ec economically. If you have middle and upper class in your congregation, do you 
are you persistently as a collective body, as well as in those small individual groups, vigilant about the needs of the community? I think that's a, a, a huge telltale sign of where our hearts are in understanding the work of Jesus collectively as a community. So yes, I would say we run the danger of, um, of when we think about biblical hospitality, you know, entertaining of strangers or being lovers of strangers. That's, that's a higher calling, you know, not just having people over once in a while, but really in our lives is that, you know, part of our purpose to um, be like Jesus and bring equity, you know, into those spaces. And you think about it, anybody that would come, quote unquote, from the world is coming into, you know, the church is now our brother and sister. Do we have that same mind and heart to love them with that equity or in our mind? Are they still of lower status, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. G, what do you got? Oh, Jason, you were going to say something. Go ahead. We'll give Gina. No, a it's qu- it's quick, but I, I, you know, the, um, it's in uh, is it Luke chapter four. There's a when Jesus comes to the synagogue and he, 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 he reads this wonderful passage, which is actually the reading for Advent this upcoming Sunday. It's uh, Isaiah sixty one, and there it's this good news to the poor. And he tells them, like, you, you know, you have, um, there's no space in your heart for this message. It's like, you know who historically has honored this message? Uh, uh, people not like you. And he, he, he recalls the, um, uh, there's a story about uh, uh, Elijah, uh, Elisha uh, being given hospitality uh, by a foreign woman. And in that in that case, Elisha the prophet is the poor, the the one who needs a a place, and she on a regular basis uh, makes a room for him and takes care of him. And it's just interesting that in the Bible, some of the ways God wants to confront the people of God is by showing that oftentimes foreign people are more hospitable, and they're hospitable to you. <laughs> like, And so it's kind of like this, uh, this challenge, like, um, I don't know, it's, it's something that God really loves. He, he points to on a regular basis to show what it should look like. Anyways, I'm working it out. But yeah, that's good. Nice. Yeah, that makes a good point. Um, I know Michael's going to head to me next, so I'll just take over. But I think what's going on in my mind as I think about this now is, you know, we've talked about helping the poor, um, but it just not being poor in economic status. And for Reggie and I in the industry that we live around in, in sports and entertainment, well, one of my true passions is really reaching those that are marginalized in this industry. So for me, that's women, the spouses of the players, like whether it's girlfriends or wives, they're a community that typically isn't cared for often because I would say the outside world sees them as having a lot of money and they're living this this type of lifestyle. So there's they don't have a lot of needs when often that that's not the case. And so I I just like the idea of, making the table for those that are of need. Um, and I think when we're, we're looking out in the world that there's tons of people in need and beyond just if, if they don't have money or they, they don't have uh, all those other things, which are also very important. Um, but you know, I've always had to struggle with the thought of, okay, if I'm not just helping the poor financially, is that okay? Like, is it okay that I have a desire to help someone else that is poor in a different area? Um, but looking back at Jesus, I think that is important to make sure we're reaching all people. I don't think our focuses can be diverted into just one, one people group. Um, but like right now, what one thing that we try to do within the community that we're involved in is, uh, so there's young men that are always playing in the G league that are alone and by themselves out here. They're typically 18, 19, 20, um, trying to live life and figure it out. And then they don't, they aren't really prepared much like college to be on your own and be traveling that much. So we try to have the young guys over at our house where I make dinner for them. And then we just try to live life with them during the season of life that we're with them in. And we've seen a lot of fruit from that. And, um, you know, 
that's why this idea of hospitality makes so much sense. I've seen it work, um, work out in the ways of, oh, now, now they're calling us like uncle and aunt. Like now they're seeing us a, a part of their family and they're not even in, in our church movement or necessarily like followers, but they enjoy the fact that we're giving them relationship and love and they keep coming back to that. And I think that's what makes hospitality so powerful. And I think that's why Jesus wanted us to continue to show that because it will bring people no matter what. Um, and we have more opportunities to share with them about God and just what this table actually provides for everybody. Mm-hmm. Gee, I think you, um, what, and what you're sharing, and that's just, I mean, my heart is just like a flutter, like as you were talking, um, because I think even in like Matthew 28, where, you know, we all know, like, you know, Jesus came to all authority and heaven is given to me, you know, has been given to me, therefore, you know, so because of that, mm-hmm. go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like we can pretty much, you know, say that in our sleep. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, we focus, yes, and which we should, because, you know, baptism is the bridge, you know, for people between, um, you know, life and death, you know, and, and we know that and we believe that and that's our conviction. But at the same time, I think when you're saying, you know, when it says, therefore, go, so like, therefore, in your going, as you live, You know, it's not limited to Sunday mornings or Wednesdays because traditionally that's when our churches come together. It's congregation is not limited to that. It's saying, as you live your life, this life that I've given you every day, you know, from God, every day, every second of the day in your going, you know, go in and, and, and help people to help people to know me, to learn what it means to know me, to learn what it needs to love me and use your life, Right. So in the space that you and Reg are in, you're using your life, you know, and like you said, it's not just you're saying poor in what, right? You know, poor in spirit. Maybe you have, you know, um, the finances. So, you know, that's not the measure of success. You may have somebody for a Christian is not the measure of success. You may have somebody who, like you said, is, is lonely. You know, you guys are providing and um, stepping in the gap to help them to feel that love and sense of being needed in this community, this, you know, basketball community, the sense of, you know, like family within this community. And in that, you're creating a space where, you know, if somebody doesn't know about God or they're seeing this in your life, you, y'all don't have to do that, but you're willing to, and you see it as an opportunity. God will can use it and will use it, that they are like, you know what, when I was feeling lonely, Reggie and G, aka God's love in action was shown to me. That'll be a place, you know, those are people that I know to go to, you know, because I know that they're about practicing, you know, about living the calling that they have. They're not just saying that they're Christians and then, uh, you know, living this life about living high on the hot, whatever, you know, Um, but they really are, they really care. You know, they really do have a sense of concern for me. They're not just focused on, you know, getting me in the, the, the tub and water, but really showing no care and concern for my life. And Jesus displayed that time and time and time and time again, even with the Pharisees, it wasn't because he wanted to be angry with them. It was because he wanted them to know the truth. You know, he wanted them to know that he, you know, was really it, <laughs> you know, and he was the reason that they were doing everything that they were doing. He wanted them to get it, you know, um, and that's why he so passionately shared with them. It wasn't just to make them feel bad or to call them hypocrites or whatever. It was really to get their attention and say, hey, you know, everything that you're doing has really been about me, you know, and really about eternal life through me, you know? So I think, you know, just in what you shared, like you and Reggie, you get it. Like, it's not just about, um, like you said, signing up. And, and while I'm not knocking that, you know, it's a great thing to have opportunities through like the, the, the congregation at large, to go and maybe serve people who are disadvantaged economically or, you know, uh, socially and that sort of thing. Hospitality and um, is really, it extends well beyond that. You know, it's being 
but letting your life speak for God wherever you are, you know? Excellent. This is really good and challenging, helpful stuff. Anybody have any final words before we sign off for this episode? No one has final words. Okay. You can at least not leave dead air and be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I've said everything I need to say. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for being on. No doubt. Thank you. Un- it's good to see you. Uh, we will, b- before we go, uh, on behalf of Jason and Gianna and I, w- I want to say here in the regular part, because I, I suspect that some folks, as soon as we're done, they don't listen to the outro with the music. And so I want to get it in before that. But we are, as we said at the beginning, looking to kind of make some changes in the podcast, take our game up a notch to a whole nother level. And we are looking for if there's any listeners who would have the expertise and the time to volunteer at this point as a producer for the show, or we also have a need for potentially some graphic design work, please write to us at all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. And Jason or Gianna will personally give you a call within five minutes of receiving that email. Uh, I'm just kidding that that will probably not happen, but, uh, unless you're willing to do that, Jason, are you willing to stay on top of the email and call anyone immediately as they email? Yeah. Define immediately. Well, I just did five five minutes, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be tough. We'll give it a shot. All right. If you mean by five minutes a day. Yeah, no. Uh don't don't expect a phone call from Jason within minutes of your email. But next time, next episode, Jason, what are we talking about in a word? I uh, I don't know. I you did we did talk about it, but now my days are it's off. It's your what, topic, Jason. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Oh uh, my. <laughs> a- a- Advent. Yes. Advent. You mentioned it yeah. here in the episode and we're going to talk about just what is Advent, why it matters, and why you think we should be paying a little more attention to it. Mm -hmm. So there you go. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other people to find us. And please take a moment to share this episode on your own social media platforms. If you have any questions or feedback, you can write us at that Gmail account, all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week.